and welcome to another episode of The Dice Are Screaming! Oh. <laughs> or collapsing. <laughs> I am Brandy. And I am Mike. And together we are the Dice Men who form the Dice Are Screaming podcast. The lonesome cowboy of gaming podcasts. Riding the old prairie alone. Yeah. Well, that's us. Just doing our thing. Not meaning no harm. Uh, that uh, was a little bit more than the law would allow. Yeah, that was. <laughs> so welcome. It's a Tuesday night. Hope everything's going fine. Looks like spring has finally sprung here in the Great White North or yeah, we whispered southwest of it. lower reaches of Michigan. We whispered of it before, but uh, it, it only has continued to get better. So we're, we're in a pretty rosy mood here. Yeah. Um, hope your week's been good and uh, everything's going all right. You got some good gaming going on. And uh, on that note, a little shout out. Yes, uh, a word to our a word from our sponsor. That's right. And tonight's episode is brought to you by Thoravals, gently used dungeon decor and emporium. That's right. Thoravals has overbought and is overstocked. Everything has to go. Why? That's right. Armoires, bookcases, bookshelves, bookends, statuary, gargoyles, and perches, sumptuous divans, deuses, columns, fluted pillars, braziers, sconces, and a whole lot more. Save, save, save! Here at Thorvalds, you get more for your gold piece. That's right. Thorvalds also has a used selection of gently used arms and armor, also available for rent or lease. Check for our prices and credit within. You'll never get a Glaive Cuisarm this cheap. That's right. And remember, at Thorvalds, it comes with an express guarantee. You can, if it ever fails you, feel free to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. right. Now that's a store to remember. That's right, Thorval. You got it. We gave you that. Also, don't forget, Thorvalds is open from Sunday to Friday. 24 hours. That's right. Just walk on in. That's... Well, it it's mostly open, but uh, you know, don't take anything. That uh, walk, what? fly, crawl, but whatever you do, get to Thorvalds and spend your gold. That's right. Thorval has it all for you. Just don't let the door hit you on the way out. And on that note, just remember it's two leagues down from the Keep in the Borderlands, right next to the Caves of Chaos and the entrance to the uh, Caves of Quas Quentin. As I remember, right? Search for the unknown. Oh, that's right from into B1. Yeah, he's right next to you. So, oh, all right, Thorval, there's your shout-out, buddy. <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> all right, so, and that uh, brings us to our topic. Um, Speaking yeah. of dungeons. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's the 69th episode. We're not going to talk about Sekuai and Brothel. 69, bro! We're actually going to talk about the next best thing, Dungeons. Yeah, it's right in the name of the game, Dungeons and Dragons. Now, we'll have an episode about dragons some other time, but we're going to start with the first word right here today. And you may think like, oh, well, I know what a dungeon is. Well, do you? I mean, what constitutes a dungeon? And today we're going to discuss that, so... Yeah, I mean, in theory, the game is Dungeons and Dragons, and everything you're doing is Dungeons and Dragons, but is an adventure a dungeon adventure? Or nay. Look, you can have purely social encounters in a highly civilized environment where there are a lot of challenges in a town, but there are no actual dungeons involved. Now, a dungeon 
is an entirely different story. Right. A dungeon could be a, a old ruin and with a large portion left underneath. Mostly dressed stone. It could also be a glacial rift of a frost giant yarl. Mm. Yeah. Or it could also be uh, just the warrens underneath an old forgotten city. Yeah, exactly. The, you know, sewers that predate the sewers. Uh, you know, the original excavations or, or the necropolis, you know, if people uh, entombed their dead beneath the city for generations and kept building up and building up. Or a city is laid on top of what used to be a previous city. Uh, there's, not to mention, countless instances in gaming where you encounter uh, structures that have largely fallen to ruin, but quite a bit exists below the surface that nobody sees, and by dark of night, terrible things crawl forth to plague the locals. Yeah. That's where your heroes come in. Real dungeons. Yeah, and it's just more than, a, it's more than just a setting, I want to say, because while it kind of has that feel of well, there's this place under the ground where really crazy stuff happens and it's bold full of traps. I mean, what is the real purpose of a dungeon? Sounds like adventure? a nightclub I used to go to. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, we won't talk about it. Yeah, no, right. no, enough we'll, of that. We'll, we'll just move on. Moving along, moving along. Enough of my adventures. I yeah. got a lot of experience points out of that encounter. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and uh, a couple other things not to talk about. All right, so... <laughs> I didn't come away with much in the way of gold, but, man, my wisdom went up. Yeah, and also tonight's episode is also co-starring our special guest host, Sassy, who currently is in heat because we haven't got her to the vet yet. Soon to work on that. Um, so if you hear her in the background, just uh, remember, that's our cat. <laughs> you know, Sassy giving her voice. Uh, so yeah, what is a dungeon per se? Well, you know, it's a lot of things, but it's a place to adventure primarily. That's the big part, and it should be fairly obvious. But what goes into planning and making a dungeon different than, say, catacombs or just an old tomb or a vault that's been excavated? You know, that is kind of where you start to wander into the territory of are you splitting hairs? Do you really care? I mean, what a dungeon is? Is it an underground complex where you can hurl? random damage at your players in the form of traps and wandering monsters and other such weirdities. Well, sure, but, you know, um, it also should have a little bit of planning. I mean, um, there is kind of a wahoo gonzo attitude where just, you know, anything goes, just use the random dungeon generator and, you know, just place anything in a room and apart from that, uh, just let the dice fall where they may. That can make it for a fun adventure, but where it really starts to shine is where there's cons consistency. So, Things that go into making a dungeon unique are primarily, well, unique monsters you don't find everywhere, like an eye killer from the Fiend Folio, layering up. Now, obviously, with your more horrific uh, undead and things like that, they don't have a lot of living requirements, okay? These are creatures that'll just nest pretty much anywhere or sit motionless waiting for something to rouse their ire. That's fine. But... When you're adding really unique creatures, you also have to consider if you're if you're really aiming to hit it out of the park on this, and you don't have to. I mean, you you can just like throw the crazy stuff at them willy nilly if you like. But if you want something reminiscent of some of the best written model or mo uh, modules of yesteryear, uh, think about the ecology, the 
actual role of each individual creature found in a dungeon. How do they get along? What are their pl what is each of their place in the order of things? What is the hierarchy going on here? Who's in charge? Uh, you know, who's more dangerous than whom? Uh, is there an example would be if you want to shove a Thessal Hydra into a burrow down there mm. and you've got a tribe of orcs in the same complex, is there some reason this thing has not simply had orc buffet every night of the week until there were no orcs left? Explain it. Think of why. Yeah, and, you know, you don't need to make it a lair on purpose. You know, you can have a menagerie dungeon or zoo dungeon as it's more commonly called. But, you know, uh, like I was alluding... But explain it. Uh, like a crazy mage with an obsession for collecting weird monsters has finally passed away. And some of them have broken free, but some of them have not. And the locals are incensed and outraged that such a thing was nearby them untended. Go clear it out. And then there's your reason for everybody to go face first into uh, the hellscape that is a dungeon full of crazy critters. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's a good one. But, you know, also, other environs can be uh, part of a, a dungeon experience. Um, I'm a big fan of Crazy Mage overall. Because, I mean, it just literally explains everything. Oh, yeah. there was a Crazy Mage. Yeah, there was a Crazy Mage. You know. Owlbear, Crazy Mage. Boulay, Crazy Mage. There you go. Yeah, they're all part of... Oh, Magic, what have you done? <laughs> You cheap Just cramp. because you could do a thing didn't mean you should do a thing. Yes. A hard lesson there. But it does make for some really entertaining dungeon dressing. You know, and, you know, having those crazy monsters like the Eye Killer or the ever-present Speaking of Eyes, the Eye of Fear and Flame that we were referencing. Oh, that's right, from the Fiend of Olio. Yeah, just sits there, big old skeleton. Like, when I hit you with a fireball, the other one's with a fierce ball. Makes no sense. Just go with it. Yeah, look, I mean, you had me scared back when the fireball went off. Yeah. You did not have to throw in fear from the other eye. It's kind of, you know, you've established your dominance when you blew up half my party. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you know, there is that. But dungeons also inquire a certain amount of mystery. And, of course, with that comes either loss to antiquity or just the crazy mage syndrome. You know, you look at a lot of the early example dungeons, they were either... Uh, well, gee, uh, you look at, uh, in the original basic set, the Holmes version, it was, uh, uh, some kind of skull tower hmm. at the end of the town where a wizard had laired up. Darn those wizards. Making skull towers, <laughs> you know, where they would stand for hours on end, but their arms upraised, nor until they got tired, <laughs> gazing at the stars. <laughs> Yes, Korgoth, you keep on giving. Dad! Well, you would have thought I was the way those women on that cruise looked at me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But wherever you place your dungeon, you know, obviously it's going to be a focal point for adventuring for a while, or it's just going to be a, you know, kind of a whistle stop on the rest of your campaign. No matter where it is, you want to make sure that, as Mike said earlier, that it has sort of a reason for belonging, but the players don't have to know it per se. I mean, it is kind of like one of those things that only the DM really needs to know, but it helps scope it out and seem more realistic if there's some kind of plan behind it. 
But other times it can just be a wide open area that critters just hang out in because, well, it's just a safe spot and everybody else is hunting them down all the time. Yeah, like, I mean, we we talk about things like traps, but, you know, when and where is a trap appropriate? Uh, for starters, right out of the gate, uh, a heavily used hallway that, like, troops are going to be marching back and forth down is a lousy place to park a bunch of arrow traps that are, you know, triggered by footsteps inexplicable. You're like, well, how come this doesn't go off like 20 times a day? You know, they should be mopping up the remains of staff members uh, more than they need to worry about adventures. Uh, the time and place for it is an area that is prohibited, that is not likely traveled, or that instructions have been left for nobody to go down there. Uh, and they know it, but the party doesn't. Or a place that is intended to prevent anybody from uh, achieving ingress in the first place, someplace very ancient that was sealed up for a reason. Right. Now, then you should have traps. And a nice piece of dungeon dressing that lends a little air of authenticity. Let party members occasionally find a trap that has gone off and has left a trail of dead bodies right there. And then they get further in, and now they're dealing with the traps that have not been set off. Yeah. But it puts them on edge. To Well, yeah, there's a, you know, Three spears jutting out of a wall, and there's a skeleton hung on them that looks like it belonged to some rogue. Uh, all of the you know clothing has rotted off the skeleton long since, but there is a uh, the remains of a leather belt pouch that is rotted almost to dust at his feet, and there's a puddle of coins just laying there for the taking. Yeah, and you know that the random treasure. There you go, right there. That's the reason, like. You know, it can be right there in front of you. Like, well, why is this pile of treasure just laying out in the middle of nowhere? Well, <laughs> it's not just laying out in the middle of nowhere. It's in sacks and coins from the and uh, bags from the adventurers who got killed earlier, and they're laying around here too. Yeah, little so. nervousness for the uh, player characters who are wary, and certain doom for the ones who are unwary. But starting with a dungeon in mind, you know, starting with the first place is obviously getting your maps created. And kind of putting the spin that I like to call the Saturday morning cartoon cereal mix in there, you know, where you just sat in front and absorbed all the chicanery and mumbo-jumbo going on the big screen and ate a whole bunch of sugary, chocolatey cereal. <laughs> Chocolate-frosted sugar bombs. Sugar bombs. You were going right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, your brain starts firing on all cylinders. and Diabetes in a box. No. <laughs> And Wilford so you started like writing and driving, uh, drawing these things out, and of course, graph paper helps. But any good dungeon just requires a little bit of work, uh, and imagination, and a little bit of preparation. But stocking your dungeon with monsters, yeah, the, the first step is, of course, placing them within ideas, ideal locations from one another. Obviously, humanoids and other types of uh, clannish and tribal creatures will be sticking to one areas, but other areas like gibberlings, they don't really care who they're. Hey, they, Giverlings don't even believe in pants, so they really are not that picky about their neighbors. <laughs> uh, and and again, game balance is a thing here. You know, you're you're shuffling back and forth between. Uh, I would categorize the major components as actual monsters. You know, things that are opponents, be it uh, leveled opponents or uh, creatures. Okay, so there's your your. Living beings that oppose you, uh, be they mold, uh, ooze, orc, 
or evil high priest. It doesn't matter. So you, you've got your opponent's category. Then you have your actual traps category. Uh, and then last, I was going to say uh, the last major component in terms of the challenges would be obstacles, which are not necessarily traps. They are difficult circumstances, things that will require some thinking to get past. It could be a puzzle. Uh, it could be a uniquely difficult lock. Uh, it's not a trap. It doesn't do any harm. But it stops the players from progressing, and they have to work to get their way past it. So, monsters, traps, obstacles. Uh, it could be water, for that matter. Uh, yeah, it could be crossing a difficult stream that's very fast-flowing and deep. And then combining a couple of those at the same time. Yep. Like an obstacle with a trap, or an obstacle with a monster. You're mm. trying to cross that uh, slow-moving underwater stream, and it's full of... Gray ooze. Yeah, gray ooze that, you know, if, wow, is it happy that you just happened to drop by. Uh, is it happy as an ooze can get? I mean, they're kind of limited on the emotional response. Scale. Yeah, all right, maybe it, maybe happiness is the wrong term. Uh Hey, well, you know, let's go with it, you know. Titillated? <laughs> it's tickled pink. <laughs> uh, but you won't be. No. no, and the combination of those makes for an interesting and well-varied dungeon and the right proportions. Like, okay, nobody's going to be particularly amazed by 32 traps and uh, one very large monster at the end. That... It, yeah, about can, six traps in, they're already going to be like, oh my gosh. You can kind of pull that off with a Minotaur, but that's kind of less of a dungeon as more as a key location, like an encounter area. And that's what I was getting at as well, is like with that kind of crazy Saturday morning cartoon uh, bowl of chocolate frosted sugar bombs in front of you mentality. Uh a dungeon to me means multiple levels. It doesn't just mean one. It means all of them interconnected, you know, with some kind of means of egress and uh, exit and making sure that you can get in and out as well as some of the monsters and so that the adventure can keep continuing. But they don't always have to be easy to find or in any way uh, easy marked out, like no handy exits. Hey, where's the exit? Oh, just follow the little sign down there. <laughs> yeah, once you're in, you're in for a while. And the party better have a map maker. Uh, this is another old classic standard, which is expecting the player characters to remember how they got in. Yeah, and we've kind of gotten away from that, I think, in a way, because it is kind of an arduous task. It, it really has little benefit, but, you know, it does have its rewards. And, you know, well-made map that allows you to get back and forth and find out where you're at, you know, uh, and, of course... If you're having multiple sessions delving in the same area, the places repopulate after a while. If it's a sinister area with an infamous reputation, it's obviously going to keep attracting monsters to lair there. Yeah, not to mention if you've got uh, monsters in different portions of the dungeon. And say, for instance, the hobgoblins uh, on you know deep down in level two uh, are pretty tough and well-organized, and you killed them all. But down on level three, there's an entire group of uh, gnolls that, you know, have been looking opportunistically to upgrade. 
<laughs> so, you know, you left the Hobgoblin Lair, and, you know, you're working your way back through level two a week later, uh, on your way back from town. This time we're gonna go get to level three. Well, welcome to the newly repopulated lair the Knolls have moved into. Uh, thanks for opening real estate for us. Yeah. Uh, you guys are, you know, uh, better than an agency. <laughs> Century 21 called. So yeah. They're looking for help. Uh, yeah, real estate is valuable even in dungeons. So if you have a wide variety of things in any dungeon, there's always the possibility that other stuff from other parts of the dungeon moved in there and something else moved into the space taken up by them. And if you're using the crazy old wizard living in a tower by himself, you know, <laughs> maybe he has portals that allow entrance and egress, egress to other planes. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, then you can get the real weird monsters in and out. You know, more than just angry elementals trapped. You know, you could get some demons and devils or other types of uh, baddies from the beyond. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez, how do you deal with the sanitation needs of a complex this large? Ah, about once a month, I open a portal in an elemental plane of water and just flush the whole building out. <laughs> yeah, it works fine. And the monsters don't mind too much. The ones that live, that is. Yeah, the Odiug is usually pretty honked off for about a week afterwards, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah, and, you know, speaking of ecology, yeah, the things like ooze and slimes really don't have a whole lot uh, to add to an ecology, but they're constantly moving around. Gelatinous cubes. Yeah, are unused, unoccupied areas abandoned by other creatures. That's where you get things like uh, growths of uh, russet or yellow or brown, uh, mold. brown mold. Those are, you know, long-term denizens. Oh, boy. We got to get out of this dungeon. It's got brown mold. Oh, yeah. That, look, it, it, this dungeon has failed its certification. Um, I'm afraid I can't let you occupy this. Uh, we're going to have to close this until such time as this mold infestation has been dealt with. Uh, please consult your local city council. Yep, and we're entering the area where we now have to wear respirators. <laughs> yeah, dungeons aren't OSHA approved, okay? So let's just... Yeah, we're just... going to throw that out there. That uh, Yeah, <laughs> there's no safety warning for the player character. That oh, so turning in. on the lights is never uh, an option in the most dungeons. So... Light source is long-term, you know, yeah, your torches and things like that. But that's where continual light and continual flame spells come in real handy. Um, yeah, by the time the party is level three, most of this has been, you know, dealt with permanently. It's really your level oneers that are, you know, like, in trouble when the lights go out. Uh, yeah, well, I've seen it happen with uh, higher-level par parties, too. But that's being completely unprepared for a situation. Versus, like, if you know you're going into a dungeon environment, you're probably going to have one or two items in backup or a scroll or two, just for such emergencies. But that's if you're thinking ahead. But uh, on the other hand, too, you want to make sure that when you design dungeons, as you're stocking with monsters, sometimes you can get goofy with it, you know, like, hey, there's six specters in this room, and in the next room there's four orcs. Boy, are those four orcs terrified. Yeah, see, that's the inexplicable element that we're Trying to say, avoid that if you can. Yeah, maybe an owlbear lairs near the front of one of the abandoned uh, room complexes and, you know, inhabits like basically three rooms as it lairs around and the goblins leave it alone. Yeah, if it's got a point of uh, access to the outdoors to go out and hunt, uh, then maybe they've just like shoved as much rock debris and everything else as possible uh, into the path 
that leads to it. Uh, hoping that it will just stick to going outdoors instead of clawing its way through the <laughs> rocks to get at them. Oh. Yeah, you know, they, some monsters can coexist. Uh, obviously, ones that are intelligent and can be reasoned with, like, well, it, as we mentioned, Odiog, you know, you know, orcs will leave an Odiog alone, throwing in its trash and refuse in exchange for occasional few bits of fresh meat and don't go too near that pit. Yeah. Uh, likewise, if you go back to the classics uh, in Keep on the Borderlands, there was an ogre that was more than willing to take cash from anyone. Uh, and the various tribes of humanoids could hire the services of the ogre at any time. That was, you know, a unique facet of that early module, that the players could be in combat as player characters often find themselves <laughs> against one of the humanoid groups. And, hey, sure, things are going their way. Right up until one member of that humanoid group ran off be it goblin, orc, or what have you, ran off to the ogre with a sack full of change and said, Bam! Help! <laughs> We've got loot! Bring your club! And then the next thing you know, uh, you're still in the fray against a group of humanoids, but now they've got an... You know, oh, they brought a cave ogre. Yeah. Uh, Squiggy, the cave ogre, shows up, and he's got a drink on. But that was great dungeon writing. Uh, it was unique. Mm -hmm. it, it stood out. And I, I think in, things that are unique and stood out uh, should be a good, a, a good point to mention, especially yep. with regard to like the last facet, which is dungeon dressing and treasure. Yeah, uh, weird pools that uh, you know give different effects from if you drink from them. Hey, you know, just like a public fountain, you just have to drink from it to find out what is inside. So. What's its magic power? It gives you the craps for three days. Oh, man! But you don't know that until you've... Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, ooh, it's the fountain of green apple splatters. Oh, <laughs> no. Terrible. Uh, Who designed this trap trick? Oh, man, they should be slapped. No, yeah, but uh, also unique um, treasures. You know, never forget... Uh, to leave something weird in there, especially the uh, the more your brain has been rotted by uh, chocolate-coated sugar bombs. Uh, true, those fever dreams on the couch that hit when you get that third bowl of cereal in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, passed out, comatose, and the sugar high. <laughs> You've scraped up enough of the inside of your mouth that everything tastes like metal. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Fortified with iron, <laughs> dinosential irons, <laughs> minerals, and vitamins. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, there's that, what is it we were talking about? The, the wand of paralyzation? <laughs> uh, that making treasure unique uh, for a dungeon. It's one thing, everybody loves finding a plus one sword if they're a low level character. Everybody who's a high level character looks forward to finding a plus five sword. But what does it do? Why is it different from the others? Why is it what hits theirs on? and theirs alone? It looks cooler. Yeah, you know, an incredibly... Well-crafted ivory uh, scrimshaw wand of paralyzation that dyes your hand purple for a day after you've used it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's pretty random, you know. To weird things like in the original uh, Holmes box set, a bring worth 200 gold that had an octopus face on it. Like Cthulhu? Well, Ooh, I don't know. scary. What does this mean? Hey, we are on the seacoast. But yeah, objects of art, things that are well-described, uh, 
that don't have like a standard base treasure value, you know, but everything tends to be in like uh, 10 gold, 50 gold, 100 gold, 500 gold, 1,000 gold. You know, break out of that routine, you know, finding yeah. a, an inlaid snuff box worth 225 gold. It, it's just dungeon dressing, and anybody can do it. It's easy as pie. Uh, take some notes from the back of the DM's guide. They're most excellent. Uh, the original DM's guide had excellent categories and tables and charts for dungeon dressing, furnishing or furnishings, uh, unique treasures, objects of art, and other worthy items. Yeah, you know, I used to think that a sedan was a four-door car until, you know, I had actually, what, a sedan is a, whoa, that's what a sedan came from. Oh, wow, okay, I get the connotation now. But that's what happens when you're like 13 years old and you don't know anything. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, who would know what the origins of a sedan were? I'd, you know, it, a sedan. What is that? A Chrysler or a Plymouth? Yeah, I just saying. Okay, so we that fell flat. So I'm so sorry. I, you know, hey, you know, I, I forgot to provide laugh track. Ah, uh, yeah, we need to have a laugh track. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, so that's the thing is that when you take that off the old first edition Dungeon Master's Guide, look, crack it open, and look in the back. There's some things that can help you dress up a dungeon and make you, your environment unique. But you may have to wait the thesaurus. Uh, yeah, you may have to, to wake the dreaded thesaurus. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Dang, that thing does what? Three die eight points of damage? Man, it's got like an armor class of five. Oh, jeez. It's yeah. all over the place. No, 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 no. So next week, we'll hit you up with the ecology of the Bachelor Theorem. <laughs> the Bachelor Theorem, yeah. The Bachelor Theorem, yeah. Did I say it right? I think so. Or the uh, behemoth. Yeah, the behemoth. We'll figure it out. Um, in the meantime... Giant we... murder hippo. Have Just fun placing your dungeons, and if you have any good uh, dungeon stories you'd like to share with us, or anything that you'd like to talk about at all, hey, we're just desperate over here. Oh, hey, and I mean, we take great amusement from stories of, like, the weirdest or craziest thing that, like, you ran up against in a dungeon in your game. Joe Boondi. Yeah, we're talking about those kind of things. Uh, if you know, if you have a recollection of something absolutely mind-shatteringly bizarre, where all of the players at the table stopped for a minute and went, "Wait, what?" Oh, we totally want to hear about that. <laughs> yep, and also let you know that uh, we'll be coming at you this Wednesday. Uh, that's tomorrow, right? Oh yeah, tomorrow's Wednesday. It comes after Tuesday. Oh jeez, my week's all messed up already. Yeah, we'll be doing a uh, live uh, stream tomorrow, so... Yeah. Yes. We'll be doing, I think it's the Salt Marsh. Ah, Unveiling Salt Marsh, the I classic. Goes to, goes to the Salt Marsh, and I'll be at Perfect Storm Comics and Games. You can uh, check them out on the website and look at our ugly mugs one more time. We'll hopefully won't scare you too bad. But again, uh, we just wanted to throw out a dungeon in there. We got some basics covered here, but this is a topic that we could go on for hours about, literally. Yeah, yeah bad. And no if, worries. you know... Uh, we missed a lot of stuff in here because we were just trying to fit in some i uh, spitball some ideas, and that's what we do all the time. And if you think that you have something better to talk about, hey, we are all ears. Uh, let us oh, know yeah. where we missed anything. Topic and, ideas, we're open to that too. I mean, what do people like hearing about? Yeah, and what we did right, and maybe what we did wrong too. Let us know on our Facebook at the Dice Are Screaming, and also on Twitter where you can get a hold of me at Death Hand Gaming. That's D E T H A N D Gaming. 
and Magi Box at Twitter. Him yeah. and uh, make sure you leave us uh, some no- notes and make some noise on our Anchor podcast. Hoo-hoo. Yes, but at armpit that, fart sounds are also acceptable. That's right. And at that, we'll leave and you also off. Also, welcome. We'll also leave you off with may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. Thank you.